welcome welcome everybody welcome to make marriage work um today's episode is so good um we're talking to dominique and adam dove they are actually friends we have met through the instagram which is kind of fun um and they live in pittsburgh they've been together for nine years married for five um dominique and i met through instagram because she's finishing up her master's in counseling psychology and she has a really wonderful instagram um, about anxiety and mindfulness and all of that good stuff called your mind in bloom so check that out and then um, her husband adam is a fiction writer and a communications manager and he has a really cool instagram too called um, adam dove stories um, which has really cool posts with his really incredible writing so both of those are cool to check out um And in this episode, they dig into so many amazing, helpful experiences. They talk about emotions and feelings. They talk about differences in their approaches to finances and how they've kind of figured that out together. And then they really dive in deep to um, their experiences with their individual mental health and how that impacted the relationship. Um, Adam talks about his kind of journey with OCD and getting the treatment that he needed. And so it's just really, really good. And then we have those work it takeaways at the end. So stick around for those that you and your partner can work through together and apply to your own relationship. Yeah, they will share great tips and we know you guys will love it. So enjoy. This is Make Marriage Work, a podcast for happy couples who are ready to learn how to argue better and connect more. We're Strons and Mallory Wolfgram. Mallory is a couples therapist, but this podcast isn't therapy. It's chatting with real couples, like you, about how to make marriage work. At the end of each episode, we give you clear takeaways that you can try out in your own relationship. All right, let's get going. So, hi, Dominique and Adam. Thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to talk to you guys about your relationship. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're super excited. For us, it's actually a fun way to spend a Saturday. It's like, let's talk about marriage and us. Let's talk about us. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Good. Glad we can bring some fun marriage talk. Okay, so we're going to dive right in with what do you love most about your partner? An easy one to start out. Go first. I'll take this one first. Okay. Uh, for me, um, this is something, it's funny, we, we talk about this a lot as like the, the thing that you love the most about your partner can also sometimes end up being a thing that you like the least about your partner. Because <laughs> you know, like love and aggravation can be two sides of the same coin. So for me, sure. the thing that's always like the thing that first drew me to Dominique and the thing that I still love the most about her every day is like, I like to call it her zest for life, um, but she's she's kind of one of those people that is always flying at 200% all the time, so any problem that she's faced with or any even just like tiny little thing to enjoy about life, she'll just throw herself at with more zest than I've ever had for anything (laughs) like this morning even I walk outside and she's just standing there staring at her garden for like 20 minutes just lost in thought and I'm like what are you doing and she's like oh you know I'm just thinking about how good it's going to be when we can finally eat the plants that I've grown in my garden (laughs) and I'm like you're like 
you planted one seed and now you're like a whole <laughs> farmer. Like, <laughs> it's just kind of that way with everything where it's like nothing is ever half done. Everything is done at 200%. Things nice. escalate pretty quickly. Very <laughs> So that's my answer. What about you? Oh, that's nice. Um, for me, the thing I love most about Adam is that, and again, this is something that first attracted me to him when I met him was how good he is at validating other people. Uh, He is a great listener. He's great at sitting with people in difficult times through difficult emotions. And he just always makes me feel fully free to be myself, to express myself and express my feelings. I think one of our like earlier conversations when we were still friends um, before we were dating, (laughs) we are still still friends. (laughs) We were just friends. I was like feeling a lot of feelings about something and he was like, you know, it's okay to feel how you feel. And like, no one gets to tell you how you feel about something and that he's just so validating in that way. And yeah, it's a really unique, nice trait. And he's not even a trained therapist. Lots of people have to go to school to learn how to do that. (laughs) That's a great one. (laughs) Those are awesome. Those are really lovely. Yeah. That. Yeah. And quick question, Adam, was that like a type of skill that you developed over, over the years while, while in this relationship or is that just something that uh, you were kind of born with so to that, kind of validate and yeah. to, to be a good listener? That one, I have to give all credit to my dad on. Um, awesome. He's, I have older parents um they were always kind of mistaken for my grandparents when I was a kid because they were already like 40 and 45 by the time I was born so my dad is essentially Mr. Rogers um, <laughs> cardigans and all yeah like he's That's always awesome. wearing a sweater vest and he just like kind of totters around and is just the like quietest most like saintly most just like best listener kind of personality. He never insists upon himself. He's always just been kind of that person. And I'm definitely less that person than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of that from him really rubbed off on me. And it, I mean, it wasn't really until I met Dominique and I that sp- specific conversation that she mentioned, I I think what I said was like, no you can't be blamed for your feelings yeah you can only be blamed for the things that you do from those feelings but like the feelings mm-hmm. themselves exist within you and all of those should be acknowledged and validated and I was like surprised by her surprise at me saying that <laughs> I was shocked because that yeah. had always just been the atmosphere in my house growing up and like that was something that had been instilled in me both verbally and through action from my parents the whole time so like when she was surprised that I said that I was like oh wait that's not how it is for everyone weird yeah (laughs) well that's beautiful um I want to interview your dad now yeah yeah although I will say he would be a terrible interview because he's the lowest talker in the world so it would be a five-hour podcast. <laughs> That's a really interesting question. <laughs> probably listen to this though. He will. Shout out Love to you, you Bob Dev. Great in law. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's such a cool gift to get, especially from a father. I think that's kind of a rare way of yeah. thinking, especially generations back. And 
sounds like it really impacted you and then impacted Dominique too, which is really cool. Yeah. And it's funny because actually he and Dominique get along so well because they're both, um, they're both the kind of people who are always trying to improve themselves and like constantly mm-hmm. steeped in, um, philosophy and self like spirituality yeah so it's like as soon like it's it's you put the two of them in a room together and they can just talk for hours about like they vibe really well so we're both Tauruses that's true <laughs> <laughs> very cool okay next yeah question. yeah we'll jump into our next question um what is a funny or relatable argument or conflict you guys have worked through together Okay, so I don't know what this one is. <laughs> we had trouble thinking about this one. Um, but because I wouldn't say it's funny, but it's definitely relatable. I also right. completely forget what we talked about. So <laughs> I am also on the internet. <laughs> um, but I think I think it's definitely relatable. And it's def- I don't even know if it's even a resolved thing. It's like a conflict that we're continually working through. And that is dealing with money as a couple oh, yeah. um, because I am like a super saver and Adam is a super spender. So our <laughs> biggest tug of war is usually comes back to something around that zone. See, she calls herself a saver, a saver. I would call her more of a hoarder. <laughs> I'm like a dragon. Like I have my riches and I just want to sit on them. Like down to like not even money, but like down to specifically our kitchen, like, our pantry is so well stocked. We'll have cans of beans from like years ago. Listen, we're set up perfectly for COVID quarantine. And I'm like, why don't we just, why don't we eat this? And she's like, well, as soon as we get another one, and I know there's one on deck, then we can eat it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so we've had we've had a couple big like I don't know big conflicts oh, over yeah. money throughout the years. And it's something we like are continuously working through um, and finding new ways to work around, which I think has kind of led us both actually to become more like in the middle. Like I think you've come to appreciate like saving and the things that you can do with like money over a long term. Oh yeah. And I've come to appreciate just kind of like letting loose and spending even on things that aren't like necessities and just being able to enjoy money in the now. Yeah. So we've kind of like moved the needle on each other over time, but it definitely took a lot of like difficult (laughs) emotional conversations. Well, I feel like that's the biggest illustrator to me of, our relationship philosophy in general is that we are incredibly different people and when we met we were even more different people from each other and we've both kind of always had this idea of like a great partner is someone who fills in the gaps of you like has the skills that you don't have thinks differently from you about certain things so that you can pull each other more towards the middle in all of the, all the things where if you were with someone who was exactly like you, you would just become more extreme. Right. Like if, we, if I was, if you were more like me, I feel like we would just like never have fun, but have a ton of money in the bank. And yeah. then if you were with someone like you, you would be like poor. No, if, if you were with someone like you, you would be living in a cardboard box and you have four million dollars like buried on the so box. True. I love that image of like taking your differences and kind of filling in the gaps of each other. 
That's really yeah. powerful. And I think for us, it took some understanding too, in terms of like really digging in. And then this is where my more therapy self comes out, digging into, you know, our core beliefs about money and like how we were raised. Cause I think, mm-hmm. you know, for couples who deal with this struggle with money, like money is hugely psychological, like the mindset mm-hmm. we have around it, how we were raised towards it, what our income was like growing up, how our parents relate to money. So when we are able to kind of understand that better as like a whole system of beliefs that are kind of inherited and passed down and able to then kind of work from there. I think that helped us. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's in general has, I've really had to introspect a lot about my relationship to money because I used to, and still to a certain extent, had a very stressed out relationship to money. So whenever I had it, I would just kind of spend it because I wanted to get it away. He would like blow his whole paycheck first day of the month, (laughs) but spend it on other people, which is another trait I like about you is you're very generous, but it's like, Hey, everyone drinks are on me. And I'm like, that money has to last four more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that flash forward to where we are now. I think the, the ways we've kind of worked through that are one through a lot of personal introspection and conversation with each other about, like you said, what does money actually mean to us? What do we want it to mean to us in our relationship? What's the life we want to build for ourselves moving forward? And how can we use money to do that? But also specifically just like budgeting, like that took a lot of education from you Mm -hmm. to me of like, let me just teach you how to manage money. And then once you understand more about it, it'll be less stressful and then we can move forward together. Yeah. And now life's good, man. Yeah, we actually <laughs> have not had an issue with money in a while. That's been a little bit. But also, I mean, this is a very strange and particular time. That's true. We've been sure. saving a lot more money than we used to. <laughs> not much to spend it on. <laughs> so I, I like how you guys are describing it as... It's like there's kind of the initial we're on different ends of the spectrum and that led us to kind of get in conflicts and kind of like clash a little bit. Um, But then we kind of decided to take a step back and work with it to figure out what was going on underneath, figure out how we can inch towards each other and understand each other and work with each other and have it. It's like we still have those kind of core differences, but we figured out how to kind of do it together. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It feels like we're, we're much more now than we ever have been like a team Mm -hmm. with our money. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and what was it you were saying today? Your revelation about our money relationships? I was thinking about this (laughs) earlier and how when I'm stressed out, one of my, my go-to is to try to like control and really hold on to things tightly. And that makes me, that like eases a lot of my anxiety. Whereas Mm -hmm. when Adam's stressed out, he tends to want to like escape or avoid. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So for him, that's like going out, spending money, just kind of like throwing caution to the wind. For me, that's like, okay, we need to save. We need to really like hold on to everything that we have and just kind of like lock in. Yeah. So I think money has been such a flashpoint for us because when, when we're both stressed, the ways that we cope with that actually stress each other out. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's. I think that's a cool epiphany of like how it ties into money, but it's a bigger picture than that. And you are really different, but it sounds like you really understand that about each other and know how to work with it better now. 
Yeah, and money's been a helpful tool to understand that because it's it's like you can't get away from it. You can't, you can't just not engage right. with money <laughs> in a capitalist society. So like mm-hmm. it's a fight that is always going to keep coming up. So like how do we make it less of a fight and more of a an adventure? Yeah, it's like if it's like a boss in a video game, it's like we have to keep coming back to fight it. But at least every time we've like upgraded up one level in the Gained game. A little bit of like one more XP. One level at a time. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Um, so our next question is, what is one of the most challenging experience, experiences you have been through as a couple and how did you get through it together? So this one is kind of like a, a deep pull. Um, yeah. And I say that in more like, I feel like this evokes like a serious tone in me, which one sure. is not serious, but um, <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> yeah, I feel like for us, probably the biggest thing we've worked through as a couple is working through our mental health issues, yeah. specifically Adam. So I'll let him share a little bit about that. Yeah, I think my... My stuff was definitely the the kickoff point for a lot of things. Um, but so I've struggled with general mental illness since I was probably 11 or 12. Um, that went, I won't say undiagnosed, but very misdiagnosed for a long time. I was in and out of therapists that, you know, it's anxiety, it's depression, it's some combination of the two, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I went through enough enough therapy from my own liking through like middle and high school to the point where when I got to college, I was kind of done with it. I was like, you know, I never want to be on medication. I never want to like go see a therapist. I just like, as we said, like very avoidant. So I took a very avoidant stance to things. And because I had been living with it for so long, I was really good at not letting it affect other people or my relationships with other people or even my general sort of, you know, school functioning or job functioning or things like that. So you're very pretty high functioning. Yeah. So I felt that I had had enough personal practice that I kind of had it under control. And as long as it never affected anyone other than me, then it wasn't really a problem. So as I'm sure anyone who's been in a relationship for more than a couple of months can attest when you are in a relationship, things that nothing affects just you anymore. So when we got together and got more serious, it became something that was like, you know, this thing that I thought would just be my struggle for the rest of my life suddenly there was nothing that was just my struggle. Um, And so this is where I'll transition back over to you because you can talk about how that affected you. So I guess when it was, I always knew that Adam struggled with mental health issues and I struggle with anxiety as well. Um, And, but I think it was when we were married. Mm -hmm. We've been married for a year. Yeah, a year-ish. And we, I remember we had a conversation in the car. I don't know why we were in the car. I do this thing when, when I park the car, I don't like to get out right away. I just like to kind of hang out. Um, no one else in my life likes it, but I had to get back in the car. It's quirky. And I was like, 
you know what? Like I could tell that his anxiety was getting so bad. And so I started asking him some questions at this time I was working in the corporate world. Like I was not in the mental health field. Um, but I knew enough that I could tell things were getting pretty bad. He was kind of withdrawing from things that he really enjoyed in life. He was like sleeping in a lot, just not, he had lost a lot of zest for life and he had a lot of social anxiety. So it was difficult for him to even like interact and do things with our friends. So I started to ask him questions about it. And I think at one point I asked you like, well, do you even feel like that when you're around me? And you said, yes, like sometimes when I'm with you, it's hard to even like look at you in the eye. Like I get tunnel vision. I feel so anxious. And at that point I was like, okay, dude, like you have to do something because I'm your wife. Like if you're feeling so anxious around everyone, including me. Like if anyone should be safe, it's you. Yeah. And, you know, is there anything I can do to make you feel more safe? Of course. And, you know, that's an evolving process, but it was way beyond that point. So Um, so yeah, so then I basically said like, you have to go to therapy and if you can't do it for yourself, just like, please do it for me, like for our future children, just do it. Cause I know that it's hard for him to do things for himself, but he's a very generous and giving. So I'm like, I can leverage this one last point because before then I felt like I had done the, you know, casually bringing it up. Um, trying a stage of like, I'm going to force you to go. None of that had worked. So this was kind of like my last emotional appeal of like, you just have to do this. So then he did and he went and he got therapy. He got a better diagnosis. He got better treatment. I went to, uh, after that conversation, I went to a place that was thankfully like right across the street from our apartment, which was really nice. um, And saw a psychiatrist who was the first, uh, you know, I had a list of therapists before this, but for some reason she was the first one to be like, I think you have OCD. And I was like, I've never been screened for that at all. And she was like, take this, take the Y box, like take this test. And I took it and I like brought the results back to her. And she was like, you know, this is like through the roof. Right. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, I've like, I think she said, I've never seen a score this high. Yeah. So like getting that kind of turned basically my and our whole life around like I was able to get on medication that worked I was able to get into exposure response therapy that worked with an OCD specialist which if you have if anyone's listening but if you have OCD like working with someone who's specifically trained in that makes such a difference it's a different competency than just generalized anxiety yeah this was the thing that kind of like rocked my world and if there's anyone out there who's listening that has OCD like if you take away anything take (laughs) away this um doing if you have OCD taking like going to regular just like talk therapy can actually make it worse uh, because it will cause you to ruminate in the same way that your mental illness does. So just sitting in a room and going back over and back over all the things that you're already obsessing about is just going to make it worse. You need to see someone who knows what they're talking about when it comes to OCD. It is a completely different thing. That's my soapbox. I will get off of it now. (laughs) But yeah, it totally changed his life, his functioning. Like it improved our relationship so much. It just changed. It like, it didn't change who you were, but just like it really was a 
game changer for Mm -hmm. your happiness, your functioning. And then he had such great results in therapy that I was like, you know what, I should go to therapy too. (laughs) Because I saw how much it made a difference in our relationship that he went to therapy. Um, So then I was like, you know what, I need to start pulling my weight around here. I'm ready. So then I went to therapy. And then that has been so amazing for both of us and actually led me on a path to become a therapist. And we have not gone to couples therapy yet, but we would love to in the future. (laughs) (laughs) It is fun. (laughs) Okay, thank you guys so much for sharing that experience and that vulnerability. It really means so much. And I think not only for anyone listening who has OCD, but for anyone listening who feels like they've tried therapy and they're still struggling and it hasn't worked, just that point of keeping looking despite how exhausting it can be until you find the fit and the diagnosis and the therapist that can really help you, I think is such a powerful message because it is sometimes this long, exhausting it doesn't seem to be working type process. Um, So I think that's such a lovely story of like kind of pushing through it and finding what you were needing after all that time. Yeah. I think especially for me, there was this feeling of not wanting to be, I mean, I think as humans, we really hate being duped. And for me, like going to all of these therapists and nothing working, I was feeling like, like I'm just like these people are just duping me. Like I'm not being helped. I'm just giving them money and then they're just making me feel worse and nothing's yeah. working. But what I didn't realize was that like giving up on therapy wasn't giving up on therapy. It was giving up on myself and mm. being able to take that back and like take the power back in that by being like, no, I'm worthy of going back to this over and over again and trying more and more because the outcomes are worth it because I am worth it. That ended up being really empowering for me. You deserve to feel well. I'm glad Mm -hmm. you think so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's another thing that I really liked, uh, Adam, how you talked about, you know, before uh, you and Dominique were dating, you know, with some of these um, mental health, um, challenges that you had. It was something that you were like, you know, you could take on yourself, you could hide yourself, everything is all good because, um, you know, you weren't in a relationship and, uh, you know, some of these challenges weren't impacting um, another person. But when you got into a relationship with, with Dominique, you kind of identified and understood that, whoa, like my um, challenges are now Dominique's challenges. And I really loved how Dominique, um, you know, kind of said, Hey, you know, you need to get the help that you need because it's not only impacting me, but it's also going to impact, um, our future generation, our family. And I really love that long-term view that you had that kind of led Adam to, um, get the help that he needed. Yeah. Thanks. And I think like even reflecting on that story, hearing it out loud, because we talk about it sometimes, but never just comprehensively. And it's been a couple of years. Yeah. But, um, I think too, like in that moment, so for people who are in a relationship with someone who has a mental health issue, like it's so common to take that onto themselves. So like, I felt like I just, I like Adam felt like he could keep it under control. Then for a while I felt like we could keep it under control, right? Like I Mm -hmm. could just be his caregiver and 
almost enable him to be okay by just kind of creating this world around him where he felt safe and everything was fine. But over time, like I was not even able to be that holding container anymore. Like it was too big for both of us. So I think being able to admit that and then as the other person, not take it personally, right? Like not think, Hey, this is because I'm a bad wife or this is because he doesn't like me or, um, you know, some of those thoughts that can creep in of like, well, if he were with someone else, maybe this wouldn't be happening. It's like, no, that is, that has nothing to do with this. I can support him a vessel for my anxiety. Yeah. And it was something we had to do, you know, separately go to our own therapy separate from each other to be able to come together even stronger. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we are very pro therapy, very pro therapy in this house. (laughs) Yeah. It's awesome. (laughs) And, and it's like, I can just hear how you, even though, like you said, it's, it's, not even couples therapy, but you both use therapy and your own like mental health journey to strengthen the relationship and nourish the relationship and like doing it for yourselves and also doing it for each other, which is a really lovely, like motivating factor. And just sounds like, um, sounds really like healing as you guys are describing it. Oh yeah. I mean, it's everything to us. And actually a big insecurity we had when going to therapy individually was that it would make our relationship worse somehow. I don't know. I feel like the mind brings up every possible resistance or excuse of like why you shouldn't do this difficult, emotionally challenging thing. But like, I thought, oh, what if I go to therapy and I realize like that... that I don't love Adam anymore. Like what if this person like probes the depths of my mind and finds that like I shouldn't have married him and I don't love him, which actually therapy made me realize that I love him even so much more than I could have imagined. And that like everything has just worked out for a great reason and blah, blah. Which is kind of hilarious (laughs) because my insecurity in going to therapy was like, well, what if like, obviously I was like this when we fell in love and got married. So like, what if I go into therapy and I become someone that she doesn't love anymore, Mm -hmm. which just plays to our specific personality traits. So (laughs) I'm like, what if, what if she doesn't love me? And she's like, well, what if I don't love him? (laughs) (laughs) I was always the person who dumped the other person in the relationship. And Adam was always the one who got dumped, but we are having a corrective experience together right now. (laughs) Yeah. And, and what, what I love about that is like, I, my brain as a couples therapist is always looking for these types of things, but both of you went in with those fears of like, I value this relationship so much. What if something in therapy messes that up? And even though they like come out in these kind of scary thoughts and worries, it's like actually just like you guys value it so much that you wouldn't want to do anything to jeopardize it. And it's like coming from that same deep love. Yeah. And we both talked to our therapists about it individually and then talked about it to each other. So it was <laughs> so many times we were like, oh man, I just wish our therapist could like meet each other and but talk see, to each other. But see, that's what having a couple's therapist is. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Um, how do you guys stay close and connected? Well, now in quarantine, we're just together all the time. So as it's been a challenge. <laughs> right. Um, but I, like for us, it's weird because we kind of have the opposite problem in that that we've definitely been 
I would say, codependent Codependent. in the past. When Um, you get married when you're 22, I think it's very easy to fall into codependency. Yeah. So we, if anything, we have more troubles um, existing on our own rather than staying together. Um, Yeah. But I do think a couple of things that, you know, reflecting upon, okay, so we're great at connecting. What do we do to do that? We love setting goals like individually and sharing them with each other so that we can kind of be on each other's teams, like for each other's goals. And then we also love setting goals together as a couple, whether that's like, um, right now we're like training so that I can run a 5k, but like Adam and I run that together or like our goal of buying a house or even fun goals, like a goal to go on vacation or things like that. So we're always kind of setting goals and chasing them together, which makes us feel even when we're not physically together, like we're a team and we're working towards those things. And then taking on each other's goals, like Adam's goal to publish a book of short stories, my goal to go to grad school and become a therapist. Like I know he's on that team and I know that I hope you know that I'm on that oh, too. <laughs> and we, um, I don't know. I think that's really important as a couple. Yeah. And a lot of those things like you listed, like running or working or things like that. There are a lot of, obviously a lot of things in life that feel like chores or mm-hmm. don't feel fun. Um, and something that we always come back to and lean on is like, we do as many things together as we possibly can, whether it's grocery shopping or running or cleaning, cleaning or the things in life that would just be kind of blah. And we're always like, well, if we do it together, it's not a chore. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So let's just like go to the grocery store together. And suddenly that becomes fun instead of a chore or let's do the running together because neither of us want to, but we do want to spend time together. So we can make that a time that we spend time together and, I think for the most part, that's really, I don't know. I don't know if that comes out of us always wanting to be around each other or if that's kind of fed into us always wanting to be around each other. It's probably a little bit of both, like everything in life, but yeah, yeah, that helps. I love that. Like I, sometimes when Strons and I are at the grocery store, he's like, okay, let's divide up the list and I'll go this way and you'll go that way. I'm like, no, we're here together. Like let's do it together. And I've never had like, I love those words. I think you said, like if we do it together, it's not a chore anymore. It's like yeah. spending time together. And I love the way you put that. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's there, especially with her being in grad school right now and, you know, like having homework on the weekends and all this stuff, mm-hmm. it's like, it feels like the time that we can spend together is really truncated. But if we take the other times when it's like, you know, we have to go grocery shopping or something like that. And it's like, no, this is, like we frame reframe that as a time of us being able to spend together that we just so happen to have to do at a grocery store mm-hmm. then all of life becomes an opportunity to be together that's so that's good yeah, that's <laughs> i love that gee thanks um, it helps that we like being together too it does help that we like being together yeah i mean yes. i think a lot yeah. of this also a lot of this hinges on like we both really feel like we chose the right person for us mm-hmm. um which i think like we both dated a number of people before we mm-hmm. eventually got together where's gonna go <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> through that experience and all of those experiences we really learned what we wanted and didn't want in another person and so we kind of had the benefit of when we eventually did get together we had we both had these lists in our minds of like 
the person that I end up being with will be like this and won't be like this. And so we were able to kind of match those to each other. And I think that really helped us to... Do you think that matched when we first got together, though? Because I, I did. For, for, <laughs> for me, you didn't have anything that I didn't want. Yeah, the red flags weren't there. Right. Yeah. So I think because that path was sort of cleared, we ended up, I think, really picking people that we just want to spend time around. Yeah. So that helps. That does help. Okay. Um, so our last question for you guys is, what is each of your number one tip for others to make marriage work? The number one thing that I would say is important for any relationship is to make sure that it's your relationship and not anyone else's. So something that we have really based both our dating relationship and our marriage on and our friendship on and like our household management relationship on is like always lean on who the other person actually is and not who they technically should be because of the role that they're in. So, or the gender or sex that they are, right. which so is, like, I think, a huge one that people can get trapped in. Like, we never really think of each other as, like, one of us is a husband and the other one is a wife. We are just, like, two people in a relationship together. And so, you know, to bring it down to specifics, for example, like, I do all the dishes in our house. I do all the laundry in our house. Why is that? Because, like, folding laundry really well matters to me and like having dishes properly cleaned matters to me whereas do a chore poorly once they won't ask you to do it again (laughs) (laughs) but like it doesn't really matter that much to her and she's also not very good at it so like in that instance we looked at who we were as individuals and the skills that we had and we're like you know we're gonna make this part of our marriage just based on who's good at what Mm -hmm. or for instance she's really good with money as we've discussed I'm really bad with money so where traditionally you know the man would bring the money in and manage the money and all of this like just like no like you make the financial decisions for our household because I make poor ones. (laughs) Yeah. So we really do look at and we've been trying to even move more towards this and continue to challenge this notion of certain people in the relationship having to do certain things because maybe that's the way you know our parents did it or that's the way our friends who are couples do it or even that's the way that's like depicted in society we constantly try to say two kind of questions one which is who is better at this just naturally better at this um I guess three like who prefers doing this right like there's Mm -hmm. some things that like Adam just you could probably do a great job cleaning the bathroom, but he just hates it. It grosses him out. So I'm like, that's fine. I'll do that. You know, it doesn't bother me. And then the last one is like, who cares more about this getting done? Yeah. Because so we've had a couple of situations where we've designated the tasks and then it's clear, like the person who cares more about the task should be the one to do it. Cause it'll just get it done faster. Yeah. Like we had, to, we had an old car <laughs> that we were trying to get rid of. And by trying to, I mean, we, lo- a- we threw away the title, so uh, we, like, it was a whole- you can't sell it without the title. We had to get a title anyway. It was a general fiasco. But, but- put that into Adam's hands because he's usually better doing stuff with car department. So we were like, okay, you usually do the car stuff. You do this. 
Adam could not care whether or not we had this car parked in front of our house on our street for like months. If where... I had my way, we would just like lit the car on fire and been done with it. But, like, you but I cared about it so much. So as soon as we switched the designation and I was like, let's switch it. I'm going to do that task. Within 24 hours, the car was gone. Not only was the car gone, but like my stress was gone. Her stress was gone. Like the whole situation was basically fixed all because we just took a step back, looked at who should actually be doing this task. And then suddenly the roadblock was gone. And I think (laughs) generally in our relationship, we try whenever possible to do that. Yep. I like that a lot. I like that it's so like constant, like this continual, there's no like here's your side, here's my side, we're good to go. You guys are really mindful of like every task, like this specific car one is different than other car ones. And let's say, like, let's look at each one individually. And then I also like that it's not like, let's try to balance it perfectly 50-50. It's like, let's be really realistic and like look at it and do what makes sense for both of us. And then it sounds like it's kind of balanced itself out in a way that you both feel good about it does that make sense yeah Yeah. the the idea of 50 50 is really interesting I'm glad you brought that up because like there's there's a 50 50 split of tasks and then there's like the 50 50 split of mental load and if you just split tasks 50 50 like you know with the car thing it's like the mental load on me of that task was like 400 Mm percent so like while technically we were splitting things 50 50 task wise for me i felt like i was doing 400 percent of the work because for some reason that specific (laughs) task was so mentally difficult for me that i like i was taking on unnecessary load yeah so i think like obviously splitting things between the two of you is a a constant back and forth always of like who's going to do what and who feels like does someone feel like they're putting in more effort than the other person or this or that but I think if you think about it more as a percentage of mental load rather than a just like list of tasks to be done you can end up in a much more egalitarian situation well I think there's also different capabilities like since I'm in school you know he's taken on a lot more with the understanding that like once I'm out of school, things will probably shift up again and we'll reassess. And like, I think that goes back to, to having shared goals because Mm -hmm. it's easier to kind of stomach, you know, doing more chores maybe because I'm in school when we see my goal of graduating as like our goal, not just Mm -hmm. me. So, yeah. Yeah. I think kind of throughout the whole episode and throughout the last couple questions I hear you guys are just like I'm learning a lot about just being really on the same team and really supportive and really just like you guys maybe feel like it's like leaning towards codependency but I'm more just like (laughs) it sounds like so lovely and like you guys are just really on the same page and super supportive of each other well, we, we try to be, it takes effort for sure, it but does. yeah, I think, you know, to just throw in a couple more random buzzwords, communicate, obviously like di- dividing all this stuff, setting goals, like it all goes back to communicating those things. If you don't communicate goals, if you don't communicate about the tasks that you're doing and why you're doing them, mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot, a lot harder to do that. And then also that idea of team, like 
when conflict comes up, we try our best to remember, or sometimes we'll take a break and then remind ourselves, (laughs) we're on the same team. It's us against this problem, or it's us trying to figure out how to manage this task, not us against each other to figure out who's going to do this or what's going to happen. And that's, that's always, I think we're still a work in progress on that because it, it takes being mindful and stopping yourself in the moment and being like, whoa, we need to take a break, which I know you guys love, which is so helpful. (laughs) But we need to take a break and we almost need to reframe, like redraw the lines of this situation. Yeah. And I think like communicating with each other is obviously really important. But before you can have accurate communication between each other, you need to be able to communicate with yourself and like learn what it is that you actually want out of a situation or how you want to interact with the other person and be constantly talking to and listening to yourself and your needs so that when you come to that other person with, you know, a conflict or something, you know where you're coming from and you know what What you you, want from that. Yeah. (laughs) You know what you need in a situation in order to feel loved or safe or provided for, or, you know, part of a team or things like that. And if you can't, listen to yourself, talk to yourself, have those conversations with yourself, it's going to be a lot harder to get anywhere with your partner that looks like where you both want to be. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you both so much. This was awesome. I learned a ton. I think it'll be really helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, you guys have been great hosts. We, yeah. We really appreciate this, this has been cool for us. Or like even couples at home who are listening, like you, I feel like these are great prompts to just get conversation going with your partner too. Yeah. I learned some stuff from you about what you think about what's going on. And Yeah. We had a lot of fun uh, like pre-talking this stuff with each other and also like talking about it now. It's, I don't know. I love, I love hearing your perspective, even after all these years. Same. <laughs> love it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Thank so you. Enjoy your day. Wasn't that so good? Dominique and Adam, round of applause. Finger snaps. It was great talking to you. Yeah, awesome. Talking to them. Um, let's jump right into the work it's. And remember, for the work it's, we want you to sit down with your partner, share your ideas, and then work it into your relationship. So you ready, babe? Let's work it. Work it. Work it number one. What differences do you and your partner have that help you grow as a couple and individuals? And I really liked uh, one part that Adam said, and I will quote him as he said, a great partner is someone who fills in the gaps of you, has the skills you don't have, and thinks differently than you. I think that's super important to evaluate your relationship and see what gaps you fill and what gaps your partner fills for your overall relationship. So we think that's a really good place to sit down and talk about your differences and how they can actually benefit you each individually and as a couple. Work at number two is, are there things that you normally do apart that feel like chores 
that you could actually do together to make it more fun and connecting. Um, so this is when Adam and Dominique were talking about all of life becomes an opportunity to be together. When you kind of look at things like this, they talked about, um, even just going to the grocery store, you can kind of look at it as an opportunity to spend time together and really enjoy it, even though it's just kind of chores. So really talking to your partner about what are things that we kind of do mindlessly that we could get more intentional about using that time to connect and enjoy time together. Work at number three, are there any roles that you have decided on that may not be the best fit for your relationship? And Dominique uh, kind of goes through these three questions, uh, which are who is better at this role? Who prefers doing this role? Who cares more about getting this done? And during um, our conversation, uh, we heard that Adam takes responsibility and likes cleaning the kitchen and, you know, washing the dishes. And Dominique uh, manages more of the finances for their marriage and relationship, which has worked out very well for for both of them because it's something that they really um, like to do and they prefer to do it. So really examining those roles in your relationship and could there be any switches or adjustments um, to getting those roles to be a better fit for both of you. And then we have a bonus work it um, for this episode that's a little more therapy related. Um, We loved how they talked about um, Adam's kind of experience not having a good experience with therapy and then finally finding the right fit. And so bonus work it is have you or both of you tried therapy once or twice and kind of given up on it and could there be a better fit out there for you um having a good fit as a therapist um or with your therapist is crucial to the outcome of um the therapy process and so if you had a therapist that wasn't a good fit it's not going to be a good experience and so Thinking about, is it possible that we could try someone new, really work hard to find the right fit, and could we benefit from individual or couples therapy? Um, It's another thing to just kind of think about and talk about together. So those are our work Thank you to the Doves for having such an awesome episode, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. If you like this episode, we'd be super grateful if you would rate and review our podcast. And don't forget to tell your friends. It really does help other listeners find us. And make sure to find us on Instagram for more relationship tips at Make Marriage Work. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.